Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris. We're down here on the beach, um, walking on the hard sand uh, today because my bloody hips are really sore from the turbo session I did on the bike yesterday. And uh, there you go. Um, very interesting how over the course of the day when you do a bike session, um, your legs get heavy because you're standing up or as I do at the standing desk or sitting down as I sometimes do at my lowered standing desk uh, your legs get really heavy and um, if you're in the world of running or cycling you have to spend an, an inordinate amount of time lying on your back with your feet up the wall so that the lact lactic acid and all the other chemicals that you don't want to be harvesting in your legs over the course of in between trainings drain out lymph is one of them so it's interesting there's no pump in your body for lymph there's a pump for your blood but there's no pump for lymph and uh, lymph there's more lymph than blood more lymph fluid than blood my uh, friend had a mastectomy because of breast cancer and they took out something like 32 lymph glands just from around her chest so it just shows you how many glands there are for lymph and uh, you'll hear often people talking about swollen lymph gland uh, being the first sign that you've got some sort of an infection in your body I know when I cut my finger um, with the saw the other month first thing happened under my arm my lymph gland swelled up warning me that my body was fighting the bacteria that had snuck in through the saw blade deep into the cut so I got the betadine out and made sure I dealt with that infection we uh, today are going to talk about something I contemplate this quite a lot. Um, in my first marriage, I loved my wife. I really did. I loved her deeply. And yet, some of the things that transpired in that relationship were not very loving. Nobody teaches us the process of converting love into loving. And yet, at some point in our lives, somewhere between birth and death, we have to learn it. Because ultimately, loving is letting go. Everything we hold on to, we love. Everything we let go of, we're being loving. We're afraid to let go because the things we love, we don't want to go. We hold on to them with absolute tenacity. We get jealous, we get insecure, we get demanding, we have expectations. These are all attachments. These are all the ways we attach ourselves to people so they don't go away. Uh, we become caring, giving, submissive, supportive. Uh, we sometimes even try to make them 
dependent on us financially so that they don't go away. And so we manipulate their values and say, if I give somebody what they value, they won't go away. All of that is called attachment and it's love. Because we love something in that form, we don't want to lose it. Loving, on the other hand, is what that person feels. So a person who gets love feels some form of hook in the bait. So when, they, when you give a person uh, kindness or care because you're you want them to be with you, you love them and you want them to be with you, you don't want them to go away. They feel a hook in the bait. They feel that the care is conditional, the kindness is conditional, the giving is conditional, and you might disguise the conditions on which you give. But ultimately, if you're attached to something, the ultimate <laughs> hook, is don't leave. The ultimate hook is don't leave. So, and that, it doesn't feel loving. It feels <coughs> good because and that person might feel insecure in themselves and they may not know how to let go of you and so when you get attached that tells them that they don't have to worry about being attached because your attachment is enough for two. It's a very interesting topic um, but at one point in your life what you love will be wrenched from your arms. That is a guarantee. Something you're attached to will be wrenched from your arms. Now, whether you do that uh, voluntarily and say, I have, I'm attached to you and it's not healthy, therefore I'm going to become loving and I release my grip. Uh, the only way to do that is to become self-sufficient and as a coach, it's one of the most important things I promote, but it's one of the hardest things I promote because of attachment we have to what we call the thing we love. But one day, something or someone you love will be wrenched from your arms and your attachment will tear the skin from your hands, it'll tear the skin from your chest, it'll rip the insides out of your guts it will pull your it's the equivalent of someone putting their hand down your throat pulling your heart out from your chest and something or someone you're attached to will be ripped from you and then your love for that thing will be questioned you will say I love 
that thing, that person, so much that I cannot exist without them. I love that person so much I can't exist without them. And that is how we think of love in a healthy way. But we've made a little miscalculation. The miscalculation is we think that this loving with attachment makes a person feel loved. You love somebody, you love something, but you're holding on to it with both arms, with a great grip. Your expectations, your hopes, your dreams, your vision, everything belongs to the two of you, or the three of you, or the five of you, whatever you've defined you as the extended self, the, the family, the extended self. But when it gets ripped from your arms and the skin peels off the inside of your forearms and the, the skin of your biceps rips from your body as that thing gets taken, there comes a moment where we might find that our, we've mistaken expectations for love. We might find that moment where love still exists, but the thing is gone. The thing is no more. The person is not there anymore but you still feel like you're loving. Now, if it's a divorce or a separation, you know from the number of AVOs that are issued against forlorn partners and the fear some women have go through living in safe houses, that some guy think that the best way to love a person is to own them. And that's at the bottom of the Christmas tree called the cone of consciousness, the most guttural form of love. But it is also the most powerful because that person, if you say, why are you chasing me, abusing, stalking, uh, harassing that other person? They will say, because I love them and I can't live without them. Their expectations and their love is not very loving, is it? As we grow in consciousness, whether by forced, by having someone or something ripped from our arms, or whether it's by voluntary uh, choice to surrender our attachment to someone in a divorce or a separation, we are forced into this question. What's the difference between our expectations and therefore our attachments to someone and our love for someone. And that will bring up every fear a human being can have. Unless we have a sense of purpose, unless we have a sense of consciousness, unless we have a sense of differentiation between emotion 
and love. Love is not attachment. Love is not expectations. That's how we interpret it. But love is also, in this sense, a way of overcoming our fear. We fear being alone. We fear being failing. We fear being responsible. We fear trying. We fear giving it a go. And so we attach ourselves to someone in a way to help us avoid being self-sufficient. And the interesting thing is when your relationship coach, as I've done thousands of times, one of the big reasons that people don't like their partner is because of their dependence on them, their lack of self-sufficiency. And yet if you speak to the person who lacks the self-sufficiency, they'll say, I thought I was being loving by attaching myself to the needs and the wants of my partner. Romantic. And this notion of romantic love being sustainable or being the very definition of love only comes to truth when that thing that we say we're being, we love is ripped from us. And the degree to which it tears in is the degree to which we've been holding on. It's an interesting conversation to have with yourself. Are you loving somebody by controlling, attaching, expecting? Or are you open-armed and therefore being loving? When my three children sailed away on a yacht when I was a young guy, it felt to me like not only was the skin, but the flesh and the meat of my body had been ripped from me as they sailed away. It's unimaginable for most people to have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old and a three-year-old sail off on a yacht when those three people alone represented most of the reason, most of the motive, that most of the lifestyle of most of the life of me existed. And yet, they're gone. My ability to teach my son how to surf or to teach him how to bike ride or to go and watch him play soccer or to talk to him about his schoolwork, my ability to, in some way, have influence was ripped and the degree to which I was attached to him and the degree to which my expectations were the form of my love was the degree to which my skin was peeled from my body. I was flayed. Not only was my skin peeled from my body, but my heart and mind was peeled from my body as well. And I was left in that place that I feared for the whole time. That emptiness of being nothing. One day, after years of unvalued therapy and probably uh, wasted tens of thousands of dollars and hours and hours, which I needed to spend to get to the point of realization, I looked up and saw the moon and I went, oh my God, that's the same moon my kids are at. And I suddenly experienced what Zen had been teaching me for nearly four years at that time. I suddenly experienced the word, I am I. 
which is the ultimate self-realization. But I had I, I, known the words, but I had never experienced the words. I am I. In other words, I, I am I, and there are three children that I love. I am not three children. I am not the father. I am I. And this loop, this perpetual cycle of truth, I am I, came absolutely roaring home in an experience sitting on a beach looking up at the moon during the day as it, as it happens sometimes and I'm looking up at that moon and I'm going my god I love my kids even though I cannot influence them I love my kids even though I can't any longer have any expectation nothing I can't even expect them to survive they're on a yacht they're under the control of another man and their mum. The, the experience of release went back to that point that I said all the time, I love my kids, I love my kids, I love my kids. But the way I expressed it was not loving. The way I expressed it was through my expectations, through my control, through my influence, through my desire to make them better through my goodness as you might call it but this is one of the most important moments of my entire life because I learnt the difference between loving somebody and love for somebody I learnt the difference between expectations and love and I learnt something really really powerful which will end this podcast with I learned the difference between expectations and love, but more than that, I learned that expectations block love. Expectations block love. Expectations actually block the love. So expectations turn us from a loving person to a person who delivers bait with a hook in it and therefore is not received with love. This is Chris, you have a beautiful day. I'm going for a swim. Bye for now.